Well, I hope you brought a Bible because that's what we do here. And we enjoy the Word of God. And about three and a half years ago, I started teaching a series on faith each time I taught. And I started out with Faith 101, bottom line stuff, okay? And I think what we are, 313 today. But I heard the Lord say, I want you to go back and go over the basics. Go over and regroup on this. Bob Caldwell is a pastor from Boise, and I heard him say this one time. He says, there are times you have to recalibrate. I worked in the automotive world for a lot of years, and uh, we had a lot of instruments that needed to be recalibrated on a regular basis. And many of you are in some technical dimension as well. You understand this. If you don't recalibrate, you're going to have some wrong readings and you miss some things. You get off track. And I believe the Lord is drawing us back into a place again of what you believe and why you believe it. And to be able to establish that based not on what you think or what you feel, but on the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he brings us into a place of trust. And so we're going to look at faith today and look at some of those basic areas. <clears throat> now, one of the things that I've learned to do over the years that when I prepare a teaching, I surrender that and submit that to the Lord and ask him if he has anything to add or delete. And he's done that with me over the years. And then from time to time, he adds some things that I wasn't prepared for. So the first part of this thing is something that he spoke very clearly to me, and so there's no additional charge for this, but it's, this is before we get into the teaching. So if you have your Bible, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because I heard him say this, and he said, I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and read that. Now I know a bit what was in 2 Timothy and I thought, well, that isn't anything that I have to do with my teaching, you know. What's up with this? <clears throat> so I'll explain this here in a moment. Starting with verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance, appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season or out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires or lusts, and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now that last phrase, just as it were, jumped off the page to me, fulfill your ministry. Not somebody else's, fill your ministry. So I began to think that through and process in that area. What's he called me to? Well, obviously he's called me as a pastor and I've been doing this for a lot of years and obviously Rick and Jake are called in that area. But so are all of you. You are called to, a, if you know Jesus Christ, you're being called to ministry of some dimension. And we're going to talk about that here for a few minutes to begin with. <clears throat> and he says, do the work of an evangelist. When you use the term evangelist, that brings up all kinds of interesting things, good, bad, and in between, as far as evangelist is concerned. So I looked that up. Evangelist is simply one who brings good news. So if you know Jesus, you have good news to bring. So you are evangelists. I command that over you. That's who you are. You have something to bring, something to share about Jesus Christ. And this is incredibly important. Now, the other interesting thing in that word, it's used in the New Testament, not of the apostles, it's of the others in that area. So we all get in on the deal in that area. We're called to evangelism. We're called to that, and I will show this to you from the Word of God as well. So if you go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> I 
Because one of the things that I have been praying about and declaring to our staff and et cetera, is that we need a whole lot more pastors than we have on the staff and shepherds. There's a whole lot more people that get ministered. There's no way in the world that we can begin to minister to even all of you right now. We need help with that area. And I had intended to preach a bit on the prophetic in that area because the, the prophetic word, it edifies and exhorts and it comforts. And we need to be able to help each other in our relationship with the Lord, our walking together and pastoring one another. There's serving one another and there's anointing of God that God's placed in your lives. And the Lord wants to release some of that area. And I believe that's why he said, I want you to go back to the basics again. We have to understand faith and we're going to teach on faith here in a few moments. But there's some things that we need to have as precursors to this as well. Second Corinthians five, I'm going to start with verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And you know, there's probably in your life, same as mine, there's some old things that still need to pass away. Because he said this to me recently. He says, we dealt with your sin issue. He says, now we want to deal with some habit patterns. We've all got some habit patterns that draw us back into the flesh again in some dimension in that area. And the Lord has said this to me a long time ago. He said, now, unless that's in your heart, let me have that and I'll give you my grace. I said, I think I need the grace first. He says, no, no, no. He said, you need to give that up because that's what you're focused on and that's what you go back to. That's some of your old flesh. It just got to be put to death. So what I've developed on that is divine exchange. He gets my rubbish and I get his grace. It's not fair, but that's our God. And that's what grace does. Grace gives me divine ability to do that which I could not or would not previously do. It's how you're saved. And we're going to talk about that in moments. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And there's an establishing of a supernatural work. And I think a lot of times we're trying to reason these things out. <clears throat> Verse 18. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, notice the plural pronoun there, the ministry of reconciliation. That's why you're an evangelist. You've been given this. You have good news to bring. Being reconciled to God. Now listen as this amplifies. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating us, entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This phrase there in, in verse 20 says, we beg you on behalf of Christ. This is the heart cry of the Father heart of God. Come, come and receive what I have. I love you, come here. Come as you are, not as you ought to be. Come with your brokenness, come with your sin, come with your stuff. Let's deal with this. It's the love call of Jesus Christ. It's always the same. Come here, come now. <clears throat> well, you might say, I don't know that I could ever do this. Well, we're not asking you to do it. We're asking the Holy Spirit to do it, but he's going to equip you in this process. Turn back a, a chapter or two here to chapter three, Second Corinthians. <clears throat> and I'm going to start with verse four. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills or the law kills, but the spirit gives life. See, the Holy Spirit's an imperative in all of these things in that area. And learning to know and receive the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life is an imperative to be an evangelist. And one of the things that I've developed is a little adage that says, Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? How can I most quickly align with that? So 
He had said this to me years ago as well. Listen, he said, if I'm not doing anything, please don't do anything. So it's an imperative to see what Papa's up to to start with in that area. His goal is for lost people to come to an understanding in that area. But if it isn't predicated in prayer, sometimes that area, it, with ministering to a hard heart that won't receive, it only tends to increase the hardness of the heart. But when the anointing of God comes and there's a precursor in prayer in that area, then there's a softening of the heart. And the Lord said, okay, now's the time to say this to them. And a lot of that time will not make any sense to your brain at that point in time. Well, we're not looking for that. We're looking what the spirit of God is doing in a given situation. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> but whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, obviously that's with people that are not saved. And all of a sudden you begin to see it's what happened to me when I got saved. It's like I was trying to reason out and try to assimilate spiritual things with my brains and it wouldn't fit. Didn't make any sense to me because no faith was involved in the thing at all. But when faith came, as I began to pray the word of God and believe the word of God for myself, then when someone came along and explained the gospel to me, I got it. The veil was taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Boy, there was liberty when that came. <clears throat> but we all with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the spirit. So we're being changed again by the power of the spirit. It's a progressive thing. It's a becoming. Word says, to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Well, the becoming is a process. We just set these precious children out here just a little bit ago in that area. <clears throat> Those of you that have children, teach them the things of the Spirit. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them to pray. Teach them to understand how much he loves them. So we're not teaching procedure, we're teaching relationship, being able to hear his voice. Children are much more receptive to this than most of us. And the reason is their little spirits are open. They're, they're receptive to this. And it, they need to be instructed in these things. Teach them diligently to your children. You know, from the old covenant right on to today in that area. Before first service, Don and I are sitting back over here <clears throat> And my, uh, my daughter brought her granddaughter and sent her over to give us a hug. I cannot tell you what that did for me in that moment in that area. See? That, that precious little child in that area and the receiving of that area and just come jumped in my lap and gave me a big old hug. See, That's what the Lord wants from you as well. That you have relationship with him. So it's not a legalistic thing. It's a relational area. And that's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus does and what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, move over to chapter four. <clears throat> Remember now, we're talking about you and I being evangelists, okay? Verse five, for we do not preach ourselves. That is so key in that area. is isn't about us. This is about Jesus. All of the gospel. See, the gospel is Jesus Christ. Well, let that settle in again a minute because this is, this is an area. Sometimes we get it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the gospel. It's a gospel about Jesus. It isn't Jesus. Jesus Christ is God Almighty come in the flesh. That's what we have to bring. That's our whole key of evangelism. Otherwise, we try to get people to come to church or change their behavior or in some area do something that pleases us. That's fleshy stuff. They got to know him. And then he tells them what to do, what to start and what to stop. <clears throat> Not preaching ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves <clears throat> as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now stop there. <clears throat> you know that God made Adam out of dirt? It's kind of what we are, mud pots. But we've got the treasure of Jesus Christ to bring in that so we're no big deal. But we're sons and daughters 
That makes us a big deal. And we have something to bring that's authentic and it's real and it's tangible and it's functional in people's lives. Remember the heart cry of the father was, we beg you, come receive this. We'll look at a little more of this in a moment. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power, power where there's dunamis, it's supernatural power may be of God and not of ourselves. So what I call myself is a delivery boy. Received from the Lord and I have things to deliver that have come by the spirit of God and by the word of God. So that kind of levels the playing field in that area. So there's no titles. There's no platforms for the evangelist. Now that does happen and we do preach from up here and etc. But the area, there's level ground at the foot of the cross. Same God, same message, same Jesus, same Holy Spirit. And if you know him, you have something to bring. So I challenge you, you are evangelist. Give it away. Part of the principle of the kingdom is you want to keep it, you've got to give it away. It begins to flow through you. It's, it's, it's stimulus in that area. I was stirred up before I came up here, but I'm more stirred up now because I needed to hear that as much as any of you. Because we believe the word of God. Paul says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. You can't give away something you don't have. So first of all, we've got to be a receiver. And then we have something that's valid to bring because it just isn't information. It's something that you know and have experienced for yourself. In Ephesians 3.19, in Amplified, it says this, that you may really practically through experience for yourselves come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask, think, or even imagine. Here's the phrase. According to the power that is at work within you. To him be glory in the church both now and forevermore. It's supernatural power. So we're going to talk some more about that as we progress on through this area. That's all the intro. Okay. Now we're going to get into the teaching. <clears throat> Go over to Hebrews chapter 11 and we'll pick up. <clears throat> I think we'll begin to see here what the Lord has for us, what he has in mind. And what faith, how about the necessity of faith, the absolute necessity of faith in Jesus Christ in his word, in his character, and who he is. So some things we're going to look at in, in faith in that area. What is faith? Where does faith come from? How do I get faith? And what do I do with faith? This is no way in the world exhaustive, but it's a beginning place to start. <clears throat> so let's let the word of God define faith. Hebrews 11, 1. <clears throat> now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. One of the translations, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let's define that a little bit, this area of assurance. Assurance, that which is in actual existence, that we have confidence and trust in. Things we hope for, to wait with joy and confidence. Now conviction is a really key word here. <clears throat> Conviction is proof, that by which invisible things are proved and we are convinced of their reality. Remember the phrase there, of things not seen. This is one of the things that drives the intellectual crazy in that area. What do you mean you believe that you can't see? There isn't something tangible. What is up with you people? Well, the area is faith has this intangibility that has to come by our spirit. The logical man says, or the logical brain in every one of us says, well, can't be. If I can't see it, can't measure it, can't establish it, it can't be. Well, faith says, in the Amplified, it says, <clears throat> faith perceiving as real fact that which is not yet revealed to the senses. So being led by the senses is not gonna fly. Faith doesn't come in your brains. Faith comes in your spirit, man and woman on the inside of you. And that's what he's trying to teach us in this area, how to walk by the Spirit. 
Remember, when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So part of this is, I don't understand this. Would you explain this to me? So one of my continual prayers has been, Lord, I don't have a clue. Would you teach me? And I hear him say, glad you asked. Come here. And we begin to walk it through. He begins to point it out in the word. He points it out by the spirit. He confirms it again and again. The word says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. The confirming of the word of God and testing what you hear by the scripture is absolutely an imperative. That's why we've been in, in the, been all the way through the Bible. Now, Rick was a few, few chapters into Genesis when we came to the bridge. And I've been there for like 16 years listening to this area again. And I have a greater depth of love and appreciation for the word of God. And I've been a word person ever since I got saved. I mean, it was something that was taught to me immediately to get in the word of God. <clears throat> My friend Doug would bring his Bible, come see me during a lunch hour. We spent lunch hours together, me and my Amplified and him and the King James. And man, we just worked it over. And we began to understand and, and be taught and increased in that. And I've had amazing Bible teachers over the years, wrestling through with other people, looking through things. Don and I have done that together, done it with my children, grandchildren in that area. So the word that God speaks is alive and it's full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it divides between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and the very intent of the heart. And that's the thing that we want to talk about today, how to be able to receive these things. So I want to keep this simple, <clears throat> what faith is. It's trusting God, believing that God will do what he says he will do, <clears throat> and it's confidence in the person and the word of God. Chuck Smith has said this. He said, one of our problems is that we often try to generate faith from within, using human methods or the works, leaning to my own understanding. And <clears throat> there was numbers of times where I thought, man, if I just read enough Bible, you know, this is what will generate faith in me. And it does, a certain dimension of that area, but until the Holy Spirit quickens it to you. And one of the things that the Lord said to me, he said, <clears throat> You're going to your Amplified Bible. You're standing on that uh, scripture. But he said, you're not coming to me. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of faith. He's the one that makes his word alive in our hearts. Gives sense that that's what the spirit of God does. He teaches us how to assimilate the word of God, how to ingest it. Word needs to be eaten. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were founded, I did eat them. And they become to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Now that word's not up there because that just came to me right now. But it's one of the key scriptures. I remember Doug Shepard reading that scripture to me and I said, Doug, where is that word? I want that word. Now Rick and I have had some discussions of whose word that is. I'm older, it's my word. <laughs> it's his too. But there's something about that consuming the word of God and ingesting it, not for information, but by revelation, will absolutely change the way you process all the word of God. It needs to be tested. It needs to be received. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, 15 says this, but a natural man, a flesh man, or soul man, does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual or led by the Holy Spirit appraises all things, yet is on himself appraised by no one. So let me talk just a moment about the natural man or the soul man. We're created in the image of God. We're a three-part being. We are, are spirit, soul, and body. The spirit part of me is the real me. That's who I am at the very core of my being. I'm created in his image. I have a soul my mind, my will and emotions, and I live in this body. It's an earth suit. It's temporary, thankfully so. But that's the plan in that area is to understand that. <clears throat> now the soul tends to be a pendulum that swings back and forth between the spirit and the flesh. When my soul man swings over to my spirit man, it brings, makes my flesh man 
flesh part of me do things it doesn't want to do. Now, if my pendulum swings over to the flesh, it'll drag my board against spirit in places it doesn't want to go either. Simple math, two against one will always win. The soul and the, the spirit together comprise the heart of man. That's why the intent of the heart is exposed by the word of God and by the power of the spirit. And so the understanding in that area that this is where the battleground is, this is where the intellect tries to override. The soul tends to lead and it wants to lead because it's been trained in that over a long time frame. When in fact your spirit, a born again person by the Holy Spirit needs to be led by the spirit of God. And then we begin to process spiritually that's what it says in that last part of that verse. The, 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 um, <clears throat> he who is spiritual appraises all things. You begin to understand because the veil is taken away. And the other part is that when the soul man is leading, <clears throat> faith is missing. Because we said earlier, it doesn't come in your brains. It comes in your spirit, man or woman. Back in Hebrews here, <clears throat> let's go to verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Praying in faith is not getting God to do what you want him to do. Praying in real faith and receiving faith is receiving from God what he has planned for you and be able to embrace that and enter into it. And being able to receive what he's laid in store for you. That which I has not seen or ear heard or entered into the heart of man, those things that God has prepared for them that love him, but he's revealed them to us by his spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us understanding again of the will and the purpose of the Father. Romans 8, 8 says those that are in the flesh cannot please God. So pleasing God requires faith. Faith wants to please God. He is the one I trust I want to please God and I trust you do as well. So sometime on your own time, look down through Hebrews 11 and look at some of those there that are, are listed. Well, some of these people have some pretty shaky backgrounds. Think about it. Moses was a murderer before he led God's people out of Egypt in that area. Abraham had trouble figuring out if he had a wife or a sister that he was married to. Uh, Isaac did the same thing. Jacob was uh, just a deceiver along the way. So these, you know, not real good guys in there at that time. I had a friend of mine <clears throat> a lot of years ago preached a sermon on uh, heaven was full of failures. And he pointed these things out. But those that are made right by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is a requirement. In all of these areas. So we got good company. Most of us have pretty crummy track records too in that area. So coming to faith in Jesus Christ and those things are removed. What's really interesting, if you look at Romans, and, uh, we won't right now, but where uh, Abraham is listed, some of the interesting things, I, it's the safest term I can use, that Abraham did aren't listed there. You know, he was never shaken in faith. He saw it all the way through. Well, yeah, he was. Because he had faith and believed and trusted in the living God. And those things that identified him at the past were gone. He's the father of faith. And he's been passed these things down to us because the seed that came through Abraham was Jesus Christ. And he has established a place for us. <clears throat> So the second question we're going to look at, where does faith come from? It comes from God alone. <clears throat> Turn over to the book of, uh, in Hebrews to chapter 12. <clears throat> we look at the first couple of verses here. <clears throat> Verse one says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, those are the ones in chapter 11 there that are talking about, plus all those that operate in faith around us. <clears throat> Surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
<clears throat> Take a look at that verse in laying aside every encumbrance and the sin. Wonder what those could be. Any sin generically, but I think pride and unbelief are two things that really tend to choke faith in that area. I got this thing figured out. I don't need the help. Let me alone. I got this. And, you know, with me, at least the Lord has said a number of times, you know, um, are you done yet? You want to talk about it now? Or how's this working for you? You know, when he asks those kind of questions, he's not seeking information. That's for my benefit. And there's a lot of times we're trying to rationalize what we're doing or what we're believing in that area without coming to him. <clears throat> Verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Word there is author is, is a powerful word. It's a leader, the one that goes first. He's also the one that gives a first incentive for our faith in that area. And he's also its finisher, its perfecter. It's the only place this is used in, in the New Testament, bringing to maturity or completion. Jesus finishes what he starts. I am so grateful for that. You know, he's, he, he's often, and I'll look at this in a moment, he's, it's always come here, come to me, come to me, come now. Let's deal with this thing. It's a precious, precious area. But fixing our eyes. Now the Amplified adds a little phrase there. It says, looking away from all that distracts to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith. And I remember walking down 356 in Federal Way, being very upset and having an out loud conversation with the Lord about what I was upset about. <clears throat> and I heard him say, why don't you look away from that and look at me? Now, I have given this scripture to countless people over a lot of years, and he comes back and is quoting that to me. So I looked up at an angle about like this. I did not have an epiphany. I didn't have a vision. I didn't see anything. But whatever I had, and I was so upset about it, it was like gone like that. It was over. I don't even have a clue what it was. But it was an encounter with the power of God because I was distracted from him. And that's why he's always calling us back to himself. Again. He's calling us into a place of intimacy. Bring your stuff. Come here. Calm down. I just have to tell this as well. <clears throat> I'm preparing to teach this thing. And so in the middle of the night, I'm having a discussion with the Lord about this thing. And I'm stuck in my soul man. Okay. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was. I was processing in my mind how I was going to teach this thing today. And he says this to me. He says, why don't you relax and rest? And I go, aha, I'm in my soul, man. I got it. And then he said this, let me come to you. Now, I cannot tell you in words, I can't describe to you what it was, but there was that overwhelming of literal faith that came in my heart to come and be present with him. Exodus 33, 14 says, my presence shall go with you and I'll give you rest. We're going to look at that here in just a moment. Rest is a weapon and it needs to be used. Now, I wish I could tell you that was end of story. Next day, I'm in my study and I'm working on this again. And I'm in my soul man again. I hate that. But I was. So I, I get in, in this area and, and I hear this thing from the Lord. I said, okay. And I, I needed to lay it down. I had to take this sorry thing that I was processing in my soul man. Because no faith was, I'm teaching on faith and I'm not in it. Now I know none of you guys have done anything like this before, but in case you ever do, it's good to know about that. So I had to repent and I had to give the care of this thing over to him that was choking the word that I was trying to assimilate in my heart at that point in time. And, I, and then it wasn't just the first time. I had to do this several times. Our propensity is to be stuck in our soul. 
and try to figure it out with logic. No faith in that. But there was something each time I did that, there was a release in my heart and I let go of more and more of trying to figure it out and keeping it simple. The gospel is so simple, we need help to misunderstand it. And I was getting a lot of help at that point in time. So I've been listening to Crawford for 16 years. He's a hard act to follow. But see, I have to do my ministry. I can't do his or look like it or like Jake's or anybody else's. I gotta be me. And so do you. Because you are all evangelists. If you don't remember anything I said, you have been given. If you know Jesus Christ, you have something to bring that somebody else needs to hear. And you have encounters with family members and people you work with or go to school with or wherever that don't know Jesus Christ and they need to know. Okay, we get faith from Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 11. You know, Jesus is so amazing and he has a way of communicating things that are so simple when we just take hold of what it says. Starting with verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you did hide these things from the wise and the intelligent, the intellectual, and did reveal them to babes like Olivia coming up to us this morning and giving us a hug, you know. Little ones, it's babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him. Let me just say this straight away. The one he wills to reveal is the one who believes and is open and hungry for that. It's the whosoever. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life in that area. And we'll look at that in, in Romans here in just uh, a couple of minutes. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When rest comes, faith has come. There's an establishment there, and peace comes. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. Now, Amplified adds a little phrase there in verse 30. It is not hard, harsh, sharp, and pressing. Legalism and that religious spirit is incredibly pressing in that because it demands performance in lieu of grace. Grace says, come receive, come be saved. I've got plenty for you to do, but let's have the grace first and then the works follow. That's incredibly important to understand. Kim uh, Barksdale came up to me uh, after the first service. And she really had some insight in this area. She said, I believe the Lord said to me that the yoke that we have, my yoke, is flesh. And taking Jesus' yoke is his spirit. Now, I'm going to let you guys process, but I really believe she hit something in that area. Because Jesus Christ came to give us life. And then he said, I have a helper for you. When the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you about all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The yoke of the bondage that the people of Israel were in with the Pharisees and all that religious spirit in that area was crushing them. When Jesus came, he came in a whole different perspective. And what's so interesting, it says the common people heard him gladly because he loved them and they knew it. He was hanging out with the horse and the tax collectors, the scum of the earth at that point in time. 
And he says, come to me. He drew them in. And he gave them life. He gave them himself. So the undoing, the bands of the yoke and let the oppressed go free, that you break, he says, and this is in Isaiah, he said, I would that you break every enslaving yoke, yokes of oppression, wherever you find them. One of the goals of my life is to help people be as free as possible, as quick as possible from whatever oppresses their lives. Oppression is an ungodly thing. And legalistic, religious oppression is one of the worst. And that foul religious spirit, I hate that with everything that's within me. Because it steals away the relationship that Jesus Christ has blood bought. So, take the old yoke off, put his on, walk in liberty. See, we read this earlier, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, it's freedom. Here's another one. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that Christ Jesus makes you free. So keep standing firm and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. It's oppressive. And he wants his people free. So what do I do with my faith that I've received from Jesus? Well, the word, first of all, is receive. To as many as received him, to them gave, me power, gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. This is huge in that area. The word receive there is lumbano. It means to accept, receive, take hold of what is offered. Two-part word, don't miss this, not to refuse or reject. Sometimes we like this part. I don't don't like that part over there. Well, we receive Jesus. It comes with a whole package. And some of this rubbish that needs to be dealt with, he deals with it gently but firmly, freeing us up to be able to walk in the liberty with which Christ Jesus makes us free. And we allow no spirit to put us in bondage again. Now, turn over to the book of Romans. Go to chapter 10. We talk often about the fact that uh, this isn't about procedure. It's about relationship. But there is some procedure in coming into the relationship. And Paul lays this out very clearly for us in Romans chapter 8. As evangelists, which all of you are now, that know know Jesus Christ, this is an incredibly important section of scripture to know and understand. Very simple declaration of how a person comes to receiving Jesus. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. The word of faith here is the proclaiming of Jesus Christ which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The simplicity of the gospel in one verse there is in verse nine. What does this look like? So we, we confess, we believe, we declare personally for yourself, not a generic thing. This is personal where you believe, where the Holy Spirit says, quicken this to your heart. For with a heart, man believes, resulting in salvation. With a mouth, he confesses, result uh, in righteousness. With a mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever, there it is again, believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all, key word, all who call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. See, we're not preaching universal salvation, but we are preaching universal invitation. Everyone is invited to come to Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the line, you've got you to own it. You've got to buy into it. I are one. I belong to Jesus. I confess that. I speak it out of my mouth. I declare that, what I believe. 
why Paul says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. This is an incredibly precious area of learning how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Verse 14, how then shall they call upon him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's why we need you to be evangelist. Me too. Okay. There's a speaking and a declaring of these things. How shall they preach unless they are sinned? Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. He released them in that area. That's a whole teaching all by itself. Just it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The word there is rhema. It's a very powerful, spoken, clear, directive word. When you've heard that word, then it's time to respond and to be able to lay hold of that ear. Well, you might say, well, Les, I'm already a Christian. Well, good for you. But there's a whole bunch that are not yet and that need to be able to hear this. Um, we mentioned Cheryl's grandpa, like 101, and he's still resisting. But Rick said his heart is beginning to soften. I was texting with um, a lady last night in that area, and she said, do you remember praying for my, for my mom? So when we were still up at the bar. So it's been a long time. We've been praying for Lily. She's in her 90s, and she's still resisting. Uh, Donna's uh, uncle is 93, and I have shared the gospel with him as hard and clear as, as I possibly could. And so we're still in, in the mix with this, with a lot of people in that area that have not come. And so an understanding in, of the simplicity of the gospel, and it's about Jesus Christ. A lot of times people are trying to get people to modify their behavior or change their behavior. Behavioral change will not save you. Behavioral change comes when we receive Jesus and then he cleans and changes and transforms our lives. So this is a, a very precious area. <clears throat> I want to share one more scripture here in this. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That's our lambano. It's got to be received. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Galatians chapter 2. I was just going to read this, but this would be a good one to see, particularly for those of us that are believers, and how to be able to exercise faith after we're saved. What does this look like? Galatians 2.20. Many of you know this word. So primarily, faith is to be saved initially. And then... It's for everything else. See, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So it's a faith is required for everything. Even when I'm in my study, stuck in my soul man, I need faith to be back in the spirit again, to be able to hear. <clears throat> it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Notice that, I live by faith in the Son of God, the life I live in the flesh, in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So if you already made Jesus Lord in your life, then I want you to be praying even right now because I'm going to give an opportunity if you have never made Jesus Lord in your life. This would be a great day to do this, to take hold of what he offers to you to become his child. John 1 and 12 again says, to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. So Father, we stand together again and recognize, Lord, that you're the one that gives us faith. You have called us to yourself. You've joined us to yourself. And you've given us 
the capacity to receive these things. Every man has been given a measure of faith. And so would you teach us how to be receivers today, how to intercede for those that have not yet come to an understanding of the saving love of Jesus Christ? And would you grant, Lord, that we would embrace the ministry of reconciliation and be able, not, we're not out to be Bible thumpers. That isn't even close to what it is. I heard this in, in my heart. Let me digress for just a minute. I, I want to share this. I was doing a memorial service a lot of years ago for a 16-year-old boy that we had prayed our hearts off for and died of cancer. And I was sharing this with another pastor who was ministering at that memorial service with me. And I, I went to him and I said, Dick, I don't think I can do this. I was so distraught over this thing. I'll never forget what Dick said to me. He said, Les, just see the people in their need. He spoke that to me during worship again. And I just want you to see people in their need that are apart from Jesus Christ. So Father, would you give us the grace to see people in their need, to align ourselves with what you're doing, to be able to pray the prayer of faith and to be able to enter into these things by the mercies of God. Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here today that may have prayed this thing through while I was going through Romans, believing and confessing Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, and Jesus, you've been raised from the dead, we would be so blessed to pray pray with you, to assist you in that area, or to pray with you about someone else, maybe a relative or a friend or someone you know that is outside of Jesus Christ. Spirit of God, would you come and would you teach us now in Jesus' name? Amen.